Good evening, everybody. While we're waiting on this to come back on, David, I didn't ask you at all who's doing anything tonight. Okay, we're good. So if you're doing something tonight, you apparently know what you're doing. <laughs> tonight, we're going to have uh, one song, and then David will have announcements. Uh, three more songs, and I'm assuming Chris has a Devo. Okay. Ah, there we go. But I can't see what's up there, so I'm going to trust the newbies back there to make sure the slides behind me are right. Our first song tonight is number 932. 932, Holy Ground. If you would, let's stand for this song, please. Oh, I've got a screen now. Cool. This is Good evening, church family. A couple of announcements before we start our devotional. 
Um, I have great news. Um, November 28th, so please mark this down in your calendar. November 28th, we'll have our potluck. Yes. Woo! <laughs> All right. I am glad to give good news. Um, and we'll have 1 o'clock service. So please mark that down in your calendars. Potluck on the 28th and 1 o'clock service. Church eat church. That's right. So look. And service projects are, are going on as well. So things are getting back to norm, which is great. Um, just a reminder, starting this Sunday, um, actually it's kind of started uh, now anyway, but uh, we have, we're doing our um, annual food drive. Uh, there's a table out in the foyer if you want to provide food. There's a list of food that is needed out on the foyer table. So please grab one of these um, on your way out if you want to help with the food drive. Um, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I know it says in capital letters we do not need uh, green beans or corn at this time. So um, I know the pantry's full of that. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, see Brian Ward. Um, also, if you'd like to uh, purchase some holiday nuts, uh, Stepping Stones are selling those. Um, please see one of the Stepping Stones ladies if you're interested in picking some up. There's a, a sheet out in the foyer board as well for that, for the price and what kind of nuts they have that they're selling. Uh, so please grab one of those if you need to get some nuts. Uh, they go fast. They go really fast. So if you need them, get them now um, before they're gone, especially if they have chocolate in them. Those are the first ones that go. Isn't that right, Chris? Uh, don't forget, we are taking pictures uh, for the directory uh, every Sunday morning after services. Uh, Aaron Thompson's taking pictures in the conference room. Uh, so please make an opportunity to get uh, your picture taken. And also, we're checking for addresses and phone number changes as well. So uh, please uh, put that in your calendars to get that done. Um, also, December 1st is the last day to sign up for CYC. If you have a child going to CYC December 1st, um, also adults are welcome to go as well. There's plenty of adults there. Um, the singing is a, it's amazing. Um, you have amazing speakers there. It's an overall great experience. So if you're an adult, want to go and hang out with us, um, it, you know, it'll make you feel younger, definitely. So, uh, you know, we'd love to have you. Also, uh, we are needing teachers for the new quarter, which starts December 1st, and also Bible Hour. So if you can help out with those, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the four-year board. Um, Gail Hewitt's son, Sean Maynard, um, has been on some medication, but he's starting to experience some tremors. And the doctor has scheduled him for several tests to determine what's causing the tremors. So remember, uh, Sean, in your daily prayers... Also, Merrick, continue to keep Kelly Williams in your prayers as she goes through her cancer treatments. Uh, it's great to see Tanya here with us uh, this evening. Merrick, continue to keep her in your prayers as she recovers. Uh, Merrick, continue to keep James and Kristen and Braden and Mason in your prayers at this time as well. Also, Mike Euron has asked prayers for a co-worker of his, uh, Sally Johnson. Uh, Sally has been diagnosed with stage 4 liver cancer. So remember Sally Johnson in your prayers. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. Uh, Chris will have our devotional, and Rick Keister will have our closing prayer. 
At this time, let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed to be able to come here this evening, Lord, to learn more about your word, to be able to apply your word to our everyday lives so that we, we can be more like you, Lord. Lord, we ask you to continue to be with, with us. Bless us, Lord. Be with the elders here at Rome and the decisions they make for this congregation, Lord, that, that they always follow your word, Lord. And we're so thankful and just continue on blessing them and their families. Lord, we ask you at this time to continue to be with the lost. Help us to save them, Lord. Let us encourage us to get over our fears, to teach your word, Lord, that, that, Lord, we know that you are with us, that you are by our side, Lord, that, that you, we know that your word will spread and help those people, and, Lord, we hope your word grows throughout the world. Lord, continue to be with our sick, be with, be with Sean and Kelly and Tanya and, and Kristen and Rusty and, and Sally and and so many others that are dealing with illnesses and cancer, Lord, just be with them and be with the doctors who are taking care of them and, and the cancer and the treat, all the treatments that they're going through, Lord. Just be a comfort to them. Be, let them know that you are there with them through their struggles. Lord, we ask you this time to continue to be with our widows and our shut-ins, Lord. Let us be an encouragement to them. Let them know that we're always thinking of them and their, and their church family loves them, Lord. And, Lord, and also, we ask you to continue to be with our youth here at Rome. Let us grow spiritually. Let us continue on, on the temptations we have, Lord, that we fight the temptations that they have, Lord, that uh, they stay true to your word and be an example while they're at school and while they're at their events, Lord. Just be with our, our youth here at Rome. Lord, we ask you to be with us now and the rest of this week, Lord. Most of all, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. For it's in Jesus Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Our next song is number 231. 231, Hilltops of Glory. That screen just keeps going in and out on me. <laughs> 231, Hilltops of Glory.
last song before our lesson this evening. It's going to be number 351. 351. Jesus is coming soon. If you would let stand for this song, please. 351. Thank you. 
Song of Invitation is number 263. 263. Chris. Good evening. Have you ever had a dream so big that you thought, that is just silly. Uh, there's no way that that's going to come true. There's, there's just there's too many obstacles, honestly, that stand in the way. There's just, it's just too hard. There's nobody to help. There's no, there's no way that what I want to happen is going to happen. Flip over to Nehemiah. Flip over to Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm going to read a significant portion of, of Nehemiah. At least this first chapter this morning or this evening. <laughs> um, so, Nehemiah is cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. You're probably more familiar with Artaxerxes' dad, Xerxes. This guy is Artaxerxes. All of Israel has been in um, Babylonian captivity, now Persian and uh, uh, captivity. And so, uh, that's, that's where we pick up. He is cupbearer to the king, so he has an important job. It's prestigious. He's comfortable, uh, although he drinks uh, what could be poisoned liquid intended for the king. He is living quite the comfortable life uh, next to royalty. When one of his buddies from the old country back in Jerusalem comes, and he tells them about the walls and the shape that Jerusalem's in. Remember, the, Bab uh, the Babylonians have destroyed the city. They've destroyed the temple. They carted off all the goods. They tore down the walls. Jerusalem is in shambles, uh, and apparently Nehemiah did not know that before this moment, before Hananiah comes and relates this news to him. But this is what he does in uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. And I want you to pay attention to when this happened. So look up in, uh, in verse 1. He says, Now it happened in the month of, of Chislev in the 20th year as I was in Susa the citadel. That's when Hananiah com comes in, in the month of Chislev. That's important. You may not know your, your Jewish calendar, but that's going to be a big deal. It's important uh, that he comes in that month. I'll tell you why in just a second. Let's listen to what Nehemiah says after he gets the news that Jerusalem is in shambles. The people there are in shame and great trouble is how Hananiah phrases it in verse 3. This is what Nehemiah does. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So Nehemiah is in on the deal. He knows that Israel has break, broken covenant. It's not God's fault. It's Israel's fault that they are in uh, exile. And he is attributing uh, steadfast love. To the Lord. This is a God who keeps his promises. In verse 6 he says, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the, Lord, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you, are faithful, I will if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your, outcast, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make, your name, to make my name dwell there. So Nehemiah sees in his own day this, the fulfillment of this scripture. Back when Moses... Uh, was alive, God was prophesying through Moses that uh, if the people were faithful, 
everything would be great and they would get to live in the land that flowed with milk and honey. But if they were unfaithful, God would punish them and he would scatter them to the four corners of the earth. And, but he promised that if they were faithful, he would bring them back together. And Nehemiah says, well, we're scattered apart. All he can do is hope that he's faithful. Or all he can do is be faithful uh, and hope that God brings them back together. And that's what he's praying here in verse 10. He says, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. Verse Chapter 2, verse 1, you realize, of course, that the, the verse numbers and the chapter headings Nehemiah didn't put those there. <laughs> so uh, all this is one flow of thought. So read it like that. He says, Now I was cut bare to the king in the, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him. I took up the wine. That's his job. He tests to make sure it's not poison. I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid, so I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my, not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, go back and look at verse 1 in chapter 2. This happened in the month of Nisan, right? He's been praying this prayer that we read from, chapter four, uh, from verse 4 to verse 11, I'm assuming. For the last four months. There's four months in between Chislev and, and Nisan. He's been praying for four months. Have you ever been burdened by something like that? You ever been burdened by a dream? Nehemiah's got a dream, doesn't he? It's a crazy, foolhardy dream. It's a dream so big that there's no way he's going to be able to do it. He is burdened by the fact that Jerusalem lies in ruins and shame. He can't stand it. It's been eating him up for four months. And he's just been praying that God will do something. And then all of a sudden, he, he's sad in front of King Artaxerxes. And he starts talking about why he's sad. And Artaxerxes looks at him and says, what do you want? The most powerful man on the planet looks at this guy who has a burden and says, what do you want? What are you asking me? And so he goes through and he, he asks them, and you know the rest of the story. Nehemiah gets to go back to Jerusalem, and in 50 days, he rebuilds the walls along with quite a bit of help, of course. My point to you is, your dream, your vision, if it's laid alongside God's, if you and God have the same vision, God wanted the walls to, of Jerusalem to be rebuilt. So did Nehemiah. So if you can get a God vision for something, if your vision is God's vision, you don't have to worry about the how. Isn't that kind of impressive? If your vision is God's vision, you don't have to worry about the how. He takes care of the how. A lot of times when we look at our visions, we think, well, that's just a, that's insane. I'm not even going to say that out loud because people are going to think I'm crazy because I'm thinking like this. They'll, they'll, they'll judge me and think, oh, you must be simple-minded to think that it's just that easy. We certainly would have looked at Nehemiah and thought, you must be outside your mind. You think you, a cupbearer in a foreign country, you're a slave. Do you know that, Nehemiah? You may, this may have escaped your mind, but you're a slave in a foreign country, and you want to go back to an ancestral home that you've never even lived in and rebuild the walls? 
of the king that tore them down. It doesn't make any sense, does it? But it's a burden that Nehemiah has, and so he takes it to God, and God works out the how. You kind of see that happening time and time again in Scripture. It wasn't up to David to figure out how Saul was going to get off the throne, was it? That wasn't David's, that wasn't David's problem. God took care of that, and David got that. Um, it wasn't up to the apostles to figure out how they were going to feed the 5,000 men, where it wasn't. God took care of that. They had these visions that were also God's vision, and so God took care of the how. So what is our part of the equation? If God takes care of the how, what's my responsibility? My responsibility is the who. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 6. We don't, we don't have time to read through this section of Scripture right now, but you know it well, I'm sure. Uh, this is when Isaiah is transported into God's throne room, and he looks at God and he says, Oh, I'm undone. I'm in the midst of uh, a holy God's throne room, and I am a sinful man, and uh, I'm amazed that I can even speak these words because I figured I would just be obliterated by this point. And God uh, t- t- uh, tells the angel to get, a sin- uh, get the coal, and he goes over and he-, he cleanses Isaiah's lips. But what is so interesting here happens in verse 8 of Isaiah 6. He says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? God's problem is never how. It's never how the vision is going to come about. He knows what he wants to happen. And it will happen. His vision will come to pass. Because his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. His vision will come to pass. The problem is not how with him. The problem, if we can phrase it like that, is the who. Who will do this thing? And you see that pretty clearly here in Isaiah chapter 6. God's looking for someone to bring Israel back to him, to call them to repentance, to to plead with them, to come back to him because they are very far away. And Isaiah realizes the problem, unlike most of us, certainly unlike me, the first words out of his mouth were, this is a crazy vision. Uh, I can't do that. I don't even know where we would start to do that. When God starts looking for that guy, he goes, I- I'm here. <laughs> S- send me. I- I'll go do it. Because God takes care of the how. He's just looking for a who. So if there's a God vision, something that God wants to happen, like knocking on your neighbor's door and inviting them to church or inviting them to have a Bible study with you, like helping someone, uh, like growing up uh, our congregation, like growing up yourself. If there's a God vision that you've been burdened by, it's okay to say it. And it's okay for us to think, holy cow, you're crazy. That's a God-sized vision because you don't have to take care of the how. He takes care of the how. You just need to be faithful with the who. And so you do what you need to do to make that vision come to pass. And let him take care of the how. So tonight, if you've got a God-sized vision and you just need prayers, and we want to pray with you that that will, that that will come to pass. If you are struggling spiritually, we want to pray for you that, that God will forgive you of whatever is going on in your life, anything that's amiss, that's keeping you apart from him. We want to pray for you that that, that, that thing will be uh, solved. And that there's nothing in between you and him. Tonight, if you haven't been baptized and you're not inside of Christ, none of these blessings are yours. Uh, only, the, only the curses. And so, well, if, if you want to be blessed, 
Baptism is the first step. If you want a God-sized vision, baptism is the first step. To get on the same page with Him, to be saved through the power of baptism, through the obedience um, that you're rendering to His Word, um, that's when salvation happens, is at your baptism. And if you need to do that tonight, we plead with you. Please come as we stand and sing. Father in heaven, we thank you again for being our God and our Father, our creator, our sustainer, and our judge. We pray, Father, that as we go through this life, that we will do everything we can to please you, that we will conform ourselves to your will so that we might glorify you in all that we do. We're thankful for the opportunity to come here in midweek to pause from our daily activities to consider your word, to think about you, to sing songs of praises to you, and to study your word. We pray, Father, that all that we do whenever we gather pleases you and edifies us so that we can better serve you in the future. Be with those who have been mentioned. Forgive us of our sins. Be with us as we go to our classes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.